Hi everyone, what's up? It's me, Idris. And if you hear my voice, you know two things. It's a new Patriot or a returning Patriot on tap, and I'm about to read them. So, to jump into the new Patriots, we have Asia Agogo. Asia, let me tell you right now, I see the fact that you paid in euros, which means that you may be one of me. We may be one and the same, which I love. If not, it's, it doesn't make any any difference. But just know, I love you, and I also love the fact that you're now a patriot. Thank you for being a patriot, and thank you for patronizing this show. Up next, we have Philip Martin. Phil. Can I call you Uncle Phil? I've always wanted to call some man, another man Uncle Phil. That sounded weird. <laughs> that sounded really weird. Either way, thank you for being a patriot, Philip. Thank you for joining us, uh, and we love you so very much. And last but not least, we have a returning Patriot. We have Rob Sajoyce. Now, I feel like Sajoyce, I may have fucked up your last name, but that doesn't matter because you're returning. You're back to being the Patriot, and that's all we care about is the fact that you left the show and you said, no, I need more of these guys. And that's what all that matters. Anyhow, y'all, Merry Christmas, and I'm looking forward to hearing all about the wonderful gifts that you got this year and seeing you in the new year. Idris, out. Medium popcorn, we are too near. And Justin Brown for your moving needs Medium popcorn Woo! You haven't seen it, well we're gonna spoil it Spoil it in your face That's your warning uh. So if you get pissed, it's all your fault Happy holidays, little biscuits and sun-dried tomatoes It's your boy, Eddie Collins Guys, and this Justin Brown. And we are meeting Paco Nigga spoiling movies, but we're not spoiling this movie. No, 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 because this is a Christmas classic, baby. Mm-hmm. This is not mm-hmm. even a Christmas classic. It's a cinematic classic. Now, yes, here's the thing. I only seen this for the first time ever last year during Christmas. I was in my studio apartment in L.A. Tati and I had nothing to do because, you know, we don't have no family out there. It's sunny out in California. It doesn't feel like Christmas at all. And nope. It was just like, hey, this is on YouTube TV. Let's give it a gander. I've never seen it before. And uh, before I get to my thoughts, Justin, have you ever seen It's a Wonderful Life before we had the review for this this podcast? Not in entirety. Right? Not in like, entirety. It's like there's I, scenes I, where you like remember, you're like, oh, well, Angel gets his wings and stuff like that. And then like there's certain tropes that you've seen in other movies, like The Family Man with uh, Nicolas Cage, mm-hmm. very much like, hey, this is the alternate world if like you have made this decision and what have mm-hmm. you. But so you had never seen it fully either? No. Until recently. I mean, well, it, it's also like, I'm not watching many uh, movies from 1946. <laughs> That's fair. Sorry, guys. You're not actively seeking those out? No, I mean, when this movie came out, my dad was nine years old. So <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, That means he paid a nickel to see this in the theater. <laughs> if that, if that. Um, he was like, "Now, nah, boy, let me tell you about the time I saw that white man, the Jiminy boy, 
He was in this movie because uh, that's the name of the 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 main actor, right? That's Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> The Jiminy Boy. His name is not Jiminy Boy. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. You know he's a yeah, yeah. No, it's Jimmy Stewart, but it's not Jiminy Boy. That's that's a I'm just that's about... a weird. He's like he's a damn cricket. Well, here's the thing, right? Like, is that back then James Stewart? I imagine was like the Tom Hanks of his time, like incredibly likable white guy. I could see that. I could see that. Like he was in everything, right? He was like a bunch of movies. Um, and he, you know, he uh, won a lot of awards, Screen Actors Guild, Lifetime Achievement, uh, AFI Lifetime Achievement, Academy Honorary Award, Presidential Medal of Freedom. He was in movies like Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, a movie I haven't seen ever either. Um, maybe we could add that to the list because, you know, we're going down this rabbit hole, old-ass movies. I have seen Rear Window. I actually have to rewatch that again for uh, um, some study, some research for a movie I'm doing. Um, Vertigo, which I've seen, Alfred Hitchcock. So he did a few Alfred Hitchcock movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got that like, gee, golly, oh, 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 nervous Nelly kind of energy. Um, yes, he does. Which I think works really well for this movie. Apparently, UVS trivia, though, this nigga was going through PTSD in the making of this movie because he had just come from the war. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So apparently, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, let me find out the trivia that UV found. It was pretty nuts. Um, during the filming of his A Wonderful Life, James Stewart was actively suffering PTSD and depression due to his service in World War II. Stewart told friends that he related a lot to the character of George Bailey. Some of the scenes where George acted out in anger was considered cathartic for Stewart and his struggles with mental health. And that makes a lot of sense because I wrote down before I read Yuvia's trivia, I was like, man, Jimmy Stewart's going to do some shit. Like, this is a... Mm-hmm. He's channeling to something. It's like the way we thought we talked about Jonathan Majors. In like his recent movies, where we're like, before all the you know the shit yeah, popped the up, stuff came out. where we're like, he's been through some shit, right? He's got some things going on. Because um, mm-hmm. when George loses his mind, <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> this is a man grasping for straws. Just help me, help me, please. <laughs> um, did you also know that um the guy who played um uh Mr. Potter, uh huh. That's uh, a relative of Drew Barrymore. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Uh, uh, that's Lionel Barrymore. Uh, so I guess that would be her grandfather or, yeah, grandfather or great-grandfather. I mean, because, you know, he died in, like, 1954. Yeah. So I'd say probably grandfather. I imagine. Yeah, that makes about sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, but she's also a little long in the tooth, too, nowadays, you know? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. she was a child mm-hmm. after, what, in the 80s? That was like ET and stuff, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I yeah, mean, yeah, probably granddaughter. Was, yeah, probably granddaughter. So, like, she was, um, uh, she was, she's like actually one of the first like child actors who kind of started to lost her shit, lose her shit. Uh, uh, he's he's her great uncle. Thank you, Yuvia. See, that's why Yuvia's our producer. She's the mm-hmm. researcher. She she Google shit real quick. Boom, I boom. Mean, eventually, you'll be, we're going to be able to replace it with ChatGPT. But, you know, for now, we, <laughs> we, we, enjoy, your, we enjoy your support, um, <laughs> which is crazy. Like, it was, yeah, I mean, that was a great performance, too. I was like, the guy who played Mr. Potter, like, there's some really good characters and great dialogue in this. Um, yeah. Mr. Potter um, clearly was based on Ebenezer Scrooge of A Christmas Carol. Ebenezer. Eb- <laughs> This is really bad. <laughs> everyone, I mean, I mean, everyone that's not me being anti-Semitic, I'm just trying to pronounce the name. And y'all know if you listen to this podcast, I do some terrible with names. Um, 
But Potter, like uh, Scrooge, is also implied to be a ruthless money lender, um, uh, and he's also greedy and heartless. Uh, no, but, and Mr. Potter is America. <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, very much so. He, but Nowadays, people would say he's a businessman. That's how they would yeah. say it. They'd say he sees an opportunity, and it's not his fault that his competition goes belly up, and he just happens to be able to reap the benefits. Like, when there's a run of the bank, and essentially Potter's, like, offering, you know, people – He's offering them a price that he, that he figures that George Bailey can't meet, so he can like you know break his business and force everyone to be like tenants for his slum land, like well, his housing and stuff like that. The, the, the thing is, is like the Great Depression happened. Yeah. So that's what they were going through. The Great Depression happens, and like so, everyone is running to the bank to pull all their money out because there's just like the money's not you know there there is no money yeah. uh, to be backed. And so basically he saw this as an opportunity to get people to share, sell everything to him at half the price so they could recoup something. And now he basically, you know, so he basically steals half of all of, all of their money. <laughs> yep, yep. And, and then um, when they, you know, they, you know, he takes over their loans and shit like that. And then when they default, he kicks them out. Yep. He kicks them out on the fucking street. And that's what and they then do he now. Owns in, more. That's what they do now in gentrification areas. Yep. I, I literally watched the movie uh, the other day um, for a screening for a thousand and one with Tiana Taylor, um, mm-hmm. and it's basically like one of the subplots is about gentrification, like in Harlem, and like you know she has this apartment that she's been in for relatively, I would say, about ten years or so in the the span of the movie, and then buildings are being bought around here. And this guy, like her new landlord comes, it's like this white dude who's like, oh, Leah, let me look at your apartment. He's like, oh, gee golly, your, your stove is messed up in your bathroom. But we can fix that. We can fix that. He brings people in. They fuck it up even worse where she has no running water in the shower. She can't mm-hmm. use the stove. And then she's like, what, what the fuck am I going to, how am I supposed to live? He's like, well, you know, you can leave the apartment for a few months so I can fully renovate it. Um, she's like, where am I supposed to live? He's like, oh, I don't know. She's like, what the fuck? This, is, this isn't fair. He's like, well, you could also just leave. Yeah, it's like, but you also know, like we know as the audience, we're watching this. Like, like as soon as she leaves that apartment, it's over. Like he's, you're yeah. not getting back in there unless you got yep. four thousand dollars a month for this one bedroom mm-hmm. or some shit. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean that's that's the game, and it's crazy that even people were such pieces of shit. I mean, even more so back then. But I love that this movie kind of like allow characters to be honest like even when there's around the bank what did he say that one guy he was uh he was like i want 242 dollars that's what i want and then like george is like all right man i'm coming out of my own pocket like what can you what do you need to hold you over and he's like i told you 242 yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like i had 242 dollars in my account i want to walk out of here with 242 dollars and i'm closing my account he's like no it's a loan he's yeah. like all right if. <laughs> And so they're essentially saying that not everybody paid George back, right, from that run. And that's why at the end everyone comes through. Um, well, they didn't necessarily say it. Yeah, but it seems but like I, a lot of people, like, he just, like, on good faith is like, pay me when you can. And, like, a lot of people just came through when they heard that he was struggling. Yeah, yeah. Which was... Which, uh, I guess, and that's the thing, it's like, you know, you know, wh- whether it be this podcast or anything, everybody talks about community. They want to build a community, right? Yeah. But a lot of people don't realize that the way you build a community is by giving. And 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 uh, and when you give, you're, 
you can't be in a place where you're expecting something unnecessarily mm. back in return or when you think or want yeah. uh, it to come back to you. And um, and like, yes, sometimes it comes back. Sometimes it doesn't. A lot of times it doesn't come back. Yeah, I think. And, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was like, I think I've, I realized the reason why, because I texted you. You didn't respond to me, but I was like, that's fair. Because this is like, I didn't know you hadn't seen it yet um, when I texted <laughs> you a few days ago. But I was like, I actually really like this movie. But here's the thing. I think I really like it after seeing it last year because it gives you a sense of faith in humanity. Mm. And I don't think that's what's important. I think that's why Ted Lasso hit so hard when it first came out. Because just a genuinely nice person pushing through all the challenges and bullshit and kind of like trying to put a positive spin on everything because you can't just, you know, drown in your sorrow and your anger, right? But for me, it was... It's just very heartwarming, the ending, like, where everyone came through. And, like, I think it was very humanizing that George is allowed to have human moments. Like, at first, it's kind of like he's doing all these good things, right? He's taking over the family business when the dad dies. And he sacrifices yeah. his own college education to allow his brother to go and pursue his own a thing. And even when his brother comes back and it's like, I'm married and I'm not coming back, really. He's still like, I guess I'm staying here. You know, like, he, he adjusts for the people that he loves and that he cares about. And well, so when, I would say sorry. he puts his dreams aside. Yes. Yeah. He puts his dreams, his wants, uh, his needs aside for the betterment of everyone else. Because George could have left for college after um, his, his dad died. But he was just like, nah, they're going to fold this company. Mm-hmm. It's like, the I mean, they told him per- so. They were like, if you don't take over, Mr. we're going to sell to Mr. Potter. Yeah. Because they're just like, they need somebody who's going to be like his father was. And it's like, he's that guy. He's the only person that's going to stand up to Mr. Potter. And, and and so he basically, for the betterment of that community, he sacrificed. And, you know, and that's the thing. When you sacrifice like that, it's a thankless job. Nobody gives a fuck. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, Especially these it, days. Well, yeah. That, and, that, and, and, the sense of entitlement that society people in society have like it's bro that i don't bro, go to it dude, you know george, that I know. <laughs> george bailey doing what he did where he's like i mean to be fair he's a financial like he's running a financial institution in yeah. in theory those people should get their money whether like he has it or not like he should always have the security of like i got money right yeah. but when like they knowingly they knowingly see that he's going out of his pocket out of his own personal funds to try to keep people afloat I feel like if that were to happen now, people would murder George. George would be dead. What do you mean? I feel like people would not give a fuck. And they'd be like, someone would like try to murder to get that money versus like allowing it to be split up and stuff. I think we're I, I that don't, I don't. I don't think so. I think, uh, well, no. <laughs> Two things are going to happen. I don't think that anyone would murder him. I think people, for one, they would take advantage. Mm. Which in in, in in essence, you're kind of right. They will murder him, but they will murder him in a different way. Financially, the financially, and they'll murder I'm him. Never gonna um, financially recover from that. <laughs> um, like ethically, morally, they'll just like suck him fucking dry of everything he fucking has. I mean, that's what happens here. Like morally, he gets like fucked up because you know you got old girl coming through um, with a cute ass face, um, asking for some money. You know, he and then she gives him a little kiss, and so and not only does he look like he's an adulterer, but then he also like uh his his uncle's the one that loses the money, right? Yeah, 
And so then he's like, it looks like he's fucking like stealing money from his own uh, institution. He's yeah, and like, giving it to this woman. Yeah, and he's like, I'm fucked. He's like, do you know what you're dead? Do you know, <laughs> you know what to do to me? Someone's going to jail. It ain't going to be me. <laughs> so um, they don't and, talk and like that you, no more. His uncle didn't. Lo- well, yes, his uncle lost the money, but the banker stole it from him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he saw, he, he saw an opportunity. He's just like, well, if I just keep this money, he's going to go out of business. He's going to go to prison, and then I'm just going to take his shit one way or another. He's like, I finally got the motherfucker. Which is really, really shitty. But you know, again, that's why Mr. Potter is America. And even worse so when um when George goes to him for help and he's like, you know, look at you, you thought you were better than me and now you're groveling and stuff. He is he's one of the evilest uh characters ever on film. Yeah. He he literally stuck it in there and then just kept on turning the knife. Turning the no, he hit him with the axe and then he started turning the axe. Yep. Yeah, and that, he's ruthless. And that's why the director, uh, Frank uh, Carpa, um, according to UBS Research, uh, ex- like said he received the most amount of rage mail in his entire career from audiences who were angered that Mr. Potter is never punished for practically stealing the $8,000 and framing George for embezzlement. Yeah. But that's what that's life. Not every bad yeah. guy gets a, gets their up and comings. Yeah, bro. Yeah. They, a lot of time they get away with it. Mm-hmm. He probably, and he probably passed away sound asleep in his, you know, in his bed. $8,000 richer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he probably spent it on the whore. Who knows? That no, old he, no he, the way he was moving around, he wasn't getting it up. He, he barely, he barely was feeling his toes. You think they care whether they get it up or not? They get a whore to sit there and gum on it. They don't care. They don't care. Those pieces of garbage like that. <laughs> it's about, it's a power play, man. You in the chat is probably spending on qualudes. Uh, quaaludes, quaaludes, quaaludes. Oh, man. I'm tired of y'all. Damn. You the one over here saying the qualudes. <laughs> no, back then, what did they have? They had uh, morphine. They had quaaludes. In the 1930s? Yeah, it was the same shit. Oh, okay. It was, it was the same shit. They just called it differently. And they had the, the boule liquor. Get your wet, wet your whistle. I mean, it wasn't boule by the time, you know, George is going on a bender. Yeah. He's like, give me a stiff drink. I was like, well, I mean, probably uh, Mr. Potter made his money as a bootlegger. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where a yeah. lot of these people got started. A lot of people don't even know that's how the candies got started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why y'all think they were rich and having all those uh, sweaters over their shoulders and shit? They didn't have a care in the world because they had so hooch out of wagons back in the day. Yep. Apparently, apparently my great-grandma used to do that as a kid. Her family used to send her around in a wagon selling hooch in Detroit. That's the way. I mean, it clearly wasn't because, you know, we weren't we weren't rolling in the dough. Also, I think our family had a gambling problem. So if we were rolling the dough, <laughs> it went down the drain. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. Um I love at the beginning when like uh the angel is talking to like this you know the almighty or whoever about George. Yeah. And yeah. then he's like, is he sick? And God or whoever's like, no, he's discouraged. Like there's things <laughs> like that that actually made me laugh. And I'm like, I don't know if it's intentionally supposed to be funny. No, it's not. It's okay. not supposed to be funny. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because he also gotta realize it was written for a different time. True. True. This, yeah. this, this is 1947. That doesn't yeah, make I mean, it, 46. Yeah, but that doesn't make it any less entertaining. Like, I, like, for a movie that's two out plus hours, I actually, I, I thought it was, like, 
pays fairly well. It actually, the third act kind of flips because we don't get to the actual, like, hey, here's how your life would be if you actually did, uh, if you didn't exist, which is what George says he wished. Yeah, for um, a while. Yeah, for, like, basically, that's the third act, is him refl- seeing what happens if he doesn't exist and all the bad things. A lot of people die if mm-hmm. George doesn't exist. <laughs> Starting with a little boy who got poisoned by the pharmacist who's an oh, alcoholic. Well, no, no, his brother died first. Oh, his yeah, because that's what causes the hearing issue and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Again, man, mm-hmm. he's that guy has been through a lot. That's why I was like, I was happy that he was allowed to have his moment of like despair and like kind of like a psychotic break, and people didn't hold it against him. You know, I think that that's one thing that's really tough these days, especially like in a post COVID world, is mm-hmm. that we really hold people's like. When I see a troubled person these days, I try to like be as empathetic as possible while also like being cautious of like my safety and the safety of others around me because I'm like, it's been a rough few years and like we've talked about it several times in this podcast, like there's yet to be a, like a worldwide reckoning on like reflection on like what that did to people. Yeah. You know? And I think that when you go through something like George, like all the sacrifices he made and then for one dumb mistake to pretty much bring it all down, it's not like he's rolling in the dough. Like his wife works day and night putting that house together and it's still like kind of falling apart. He's got kids to feed and you know, he's, He's happy to an extent, but it's, I don't know, man. It's it, like, for me, like the character of George is very inspiring and like, it's, it's a good reminder that like, it's not always the end of the world, yeah. but these days because of the lack of empathy, I almost think I'm my, I mean, my therapist tells me all the time I'm too empathetic to an extent, like mm-hmm. I'm too understanding, but I'm like, yeah, but if I also feed into the bullshit that a lot of people go by and live by, then I'm miserable. That's not like, that's not how I want to live, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's just like, how do you rate, how do you think about your sons? Right. And you're raising them in this world. Like how do you raise them to be like empathetic and understanding while also not being naive and letting people walk over them? You know what I mean? Like what's, what's, what do you think your approach is going to be? Honestly, bro, you know, a, a lot of it is trial and error. Yeah. A lot of it is trial and error. People are going to have to go through shit and they're going to have to get burned to know what it really fe- uh, to to know where their uh what their limit is. Mm. And you know, th- like I I can tell I can tell Jackson Axel a thousand times, "Hey, you don't want to do this," but then like I'm also uh robbing them of the experience of what life really is. And they're and, and if I just told them and they went by what I uh, what I told them, they really don't know what real life is. And that's yeah. and that's the real crazy thing as a parent. Like you have to let people fail, so then they can level up. Because if they don't fail, then they're just they're they're, they're either going to be shitty uh, people or they're just going to be a mark. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like yeah, you you kind of got to let people you know figure shit out on their own. Because I mean I remember I was a kid, people told me shit. And like whether I took advice or or not, I had to find out the hard way. That's and you know, unfortunately, <clears throat> for men especially, I think that you know we fall into the the trap of we only learn uh, through despair and loss, mm. and um, so you have to lose shit to realize that like, hey, I'm not gonna do that again, or or I need to pay attention, yeah. uh, you know, so. You know, uh, unfortunately, it's a part of life, uh, and you know, 
It sucks. It does. It does. But at least George found um, Mary. You know, she was she was a down chick. She, despite George's manic behavior at times, I mean, she's lucky that he, he freaked out. What's her name? Uh, the fast girl um, who was also into George, but until he grabbed her, he was like, "We should go to a, we should go for a walk, and then we'll look at the pixie dust, and then we'll get." We're some- gonna run through the meadows. Oh, it's gonna be amazing. We're gonna take our shoes off. She's like, "Well, hold on, hold on." Listen here, bitch. <laughs> you want these toes in the meadows? These aren't meadow toes. <laughs> Which is basically what she said to him. Pretty He's much. like, you know how far that shit is? <laughs> She's like, now, George, get it, get yourself straight. He's like, oh, oh forget it. <laughs> He's it's like, George, do you want this pussy or not? <laughs> yeah, she was... I don't know why I was like, man, that's a cutie right there. No, um, she 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 wasn't an attractive woman. Yeah, I was a uh, see see me if if I was George. Oh man, oh, I'm a little one with the slutty one. Oh god, <laughs> I, I, I I at least taken a few rounds with the slutty one before I came around to find the woman that I love. I mean, because this movie takes place at a time before contraception, so your pullout game had to be strong. Otherwise, you had kids popping up mm-hmm. like fucking poppy seeds. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you are correct, Brandon. You are correct. Like it's just, it's just a fact. I mean, in the 1940s, I mean, come on. You know, George is out there. You know, living his life. I mean, so George, it seemed like he was, he was older than the other than the other kids. I, I mean, because like I wrote that down at one point. I was leave, like, how old is he supposed to be? Because he's because when he was going to leave. uh you know, for a trip and then come back after. So it seemed like he, uh, after after he graduated high school, he spent time working at the you know the loans place with his with his father. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, I'm going off to college, uh, but yeah. he was going to take like you know a break where he was going to travel Europe and do all this other and do all this other stuff. And then because like he's talking to that girl, he's just like, "How old are you?" She's like, uh, 18. He's like, "18." Uh, he's like, "Wait, is that too uh, too young or too old?" Wild line. <laughs> I mean, there's some crazy lines in this. So. I say, "Wait, is 18, 18 is too is too old?" <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! He's like, "No, no, it's just right." He just good. You got enough grass on the field. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, and so like I would say maybe George is like maybe twenty four ish. Okay, maybe. I mean, it's a different time, so everyone looked older. Obviously, yeah, um, yeah. He but, looked like a fucking. He looked like an old catcher's mitt. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously George is smart because otherwise that that um his dad's um company wouldn't have instilled trust in him and thinking that he could run it instead of you know Mister Potter being able to liquidate and shit, but mm-hmm. it, um, yeah. Oh, UV in the chat says James Stewart plays George Bailey from the age of 21 to 38 from the night of the school dance in 1928 to Christmas, 1945. Stewart was 37, 38 years old during the April to July, 1946 filming. That's right. They filmed this in the summer, even though it's supposed to be a winter movie. Those niggas in those, those tweed suits had to be sweating under those oh, yeah. old Hollywood lights. there's no way like they they were just melted like candles on that shit you know those hollywood titties i know what slavery felt like (laughs) those hollywood titties were sweating the under tit sweat 
the back no, sweat it, into it, the it, booty it, crack. No, no, you you got got put. They were probably wearing those girdles and shit like that. Oh yeah. Oh, so so they, they were real. T- yeah, but you know what? Those women probably had some nice little uh, nice little package you know uh, under there, nice and tight, point like a tiger. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, Brandon? All right. Uh, can we talk about the pharmacist for a second, <laughs> Mister Gower, who apparently that activist really drunk when he slapped the shit out of that kid? Yeah. Been good for him. No, I wrote, I wrote that, man. Child abuse was so rapid back in the day. Like, Lord, yo, he smacked that kid. That kid's ear really bled. Yeah, what? Yeah, man. That nigga was crazy. Dude. He bust the drum. <laughs> He's just like, no, listen, kid, you're really going to have an ear According problem. to Robert J. Anderson, H.B. Uh, Warner really was drunk during the scene in which Mr. Gower slaps young George. Warner's slaps were real and caused real blood to come out from Anderson's ear. After the scene was filmed, Warner uh, Warner hugged and comforted Anderson. Yeah, because that nigga didn't want to get sued. He's probably, now, now she here, kid. I was trying to get in character. It's like, you've been smelling like moonshine since before we even read the script. <laughs> Wait, he hugged and comforted? Like, nigga, you, you, what the fuck you? Is he... That's that's one of the differences. That's one of the difference because that kid would have hooked off on that old man. <laughs> so today, that kid would have hooked off on that old man. No, man. I mean, well, if he wants to be on the little rascals, he knew better than to fight somebody. <laughs> nah, bro. You you gotta you know, in that situation, everybody be like, eh. You can hook off on him. He busted your eardrum, dog. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that probably caused way more medical expenses than the the quarter he got on set for the day. Yeah, <laughs> like you know. Yeah, I mean? take a nickel. Go get your ear fixed. <laughs> Remember when a nickel could get you a lot of things? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, we're not that old. I don't know why I said it like, "Hey, remember the day?" <laughs> like, bro, I remember when you used to go to the gas station. And you put five dollars in the tank. Oh, you oh, you could get, you could get far. When you I was in high school, right. man. When I was in high school, I had to pay my own gas. Man, ten dollars could get me a long way. Mm-hmm. Hey, five on two, and you were good for the week, baby. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I remember twenty dollars could get it could get you several hours like driving to Michigan. But the problem was I spent all the $20 this one time when I was with my boy Sean. We were hooking up with these white girls. And uh, I, like, we, I, we took about the Boston market. And I spent all the money on fried chicken. Well, it was rotisserie chicken, actually. And, uh, yeah, yeah, because ain't no fried Sean, chicken. There, and Sean was incredibly mad at me. He's like, he's like, Brandon, you spent all of our money on chicken. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to get home. <laughs> Had to ask those white girls for money. Listen, man, I remember I was... We gave you dick, so you got to help us get home. <laughs> I felt it was the closest I ever felt to a prostitute. <laughs> Time to pay the toll, baby. <laughs> it was like... It was the most coolish thing I ever did. I fucked, I got a nut off, and then I got some chicken, and then I had to borrow some money. That's the ultimate fuckboy tale. <laughs> it's like crazy. You hit the trifecta. <laughs> It's funny because, like, I remember when gas spiked so high, you know, I was just like, yo, like, this this is not this is not financially sound anymore because it was, you know, after Katrina happened, mm. right? Because that's when it was like, it, it, it just went crazy, crazy. But I had just bought a new car the year before, 
I got the the Lincoln. I got a Lincoln Aviator, okay. a 2004 Lincoln Aviator. Got it a year old with tw- with um, 18,000 miles on it. I flew out to Michigan, to Detroit, mm-hmm. bought it there, and then drove, drove it, it back, back yeah, yeah. because I got such a great deal on it because Michigan was burning. Um, <laughs> they're like, please, take this car, please. <laughs> so got this great deal on the car. The year later, Katrina happens. Next thing you know, I'm paying $100 to fill up my fucking tank. Oh, shit. Did I was you have like, to get the premium lead, too? Yep. I was just like, first of all, you're no longer getting premium anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you, you talk to the car? You know, yeah, yeah. you come to Jesus moment with your car? I did. Well, you know, my, no, my car had a name. It was called the um, the pretty white bitch. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was a beautiful car. It's a beautiful car. So, um, so I, I said, like, you're no longer getting a uh, premium anymore, but even so with not putting premium, it was, I'm like, yo, you're going to have to park for a bit, but like, you know, so that, that like what <laughs> you're going to have to park for a bit. So what'd you do? Bro, I, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't drive it as much. Oh, okay. I was like, did you just walk to, to places? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, I think. Yeah, I was like, yeah, obviously you got to get to work and things like that. I was really just managing my my mileage. Mm. But that car, that car is still running. My friend actually has that car right now. Oh, okay. So I sold to him. The P, she's still going. She's still going, baby. So that's that. Also, tell you guys if you think that if you don't put premium gas in your tank, that's a, you know it's going to ruin your tank. It's not. It's just you're not going to get the performance. And that you know that's that's from a car expert telling you you heard it here first. All right, so uh, it's a go. wonderful life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, where do we even get here? Um, yep. Apparently, according to UBS trivia, James Stewart was nervous about the phone kiss scene because it was his first on-screen kiss since he returned to Hollywood after the war. Under the director uh, Frank Carpa's watchful eye, Stewart filmed a scene at only one unrehearsed take, and it worked so well that the part of the embrace was cut because it was too passionate to pass the censors. So back then, wait, you couldn't wait, even wait. have a you couldn't have a sensual embrace without uh, getting your rating bumped up. I guess. So here's the thing: the phone kiss scene came off kind of rapey to me. I'm not gonna lie there. That I mean, did not held, come he, off sensual. He held it very hard. <laughs> he was practically sugar. <laughs> like it was it was a bit aggressive. Yeah, yeah. He's just like, oh, Mary. He's like. <laughs> I wrote down, I said, I wrote down, I did say, I mean, George's pitch to her was crazy, LOL, I wrote that down. And then the mother is standing at the top, and she's like, and she she just runs away. She's just like, I can't watch this. I'm just like, what is is even happening down there? (laughs) That was a weird, that was a weird scene. Yeah, it's like that was too passionate. People were hold were clutching their pearls over that kiss. Man, they didn't want to see me on camera. <laughs> well, they definitely want to see me on camera in 1946, but they definitely want to see me kiss the white woman on camera in 1946. Oh no, I no. would have been lynched. Yeah, they would have killed you real bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there'd be there'd be dark uh there'd be dark moments in black biopics about your character. <laughs> it'd be like oh it'd be like you have a zoot suit and you just like, hey y'all, oh that's Justin Brown. Yeah, he's always looking for a good time. Oh, I'm gonna go talk to this wacko right here next day. Hey man, you heard about Justin? <laughs> they took him down to the docks and beat him to death. <laughs> With a sax of nickels. 
<laughs> oh shit! Um, when George lost his mind on his kids, that was that was so like I don't have kids, but I was just like I get it. We mean because he's just like he's like he's just losing his mind. He's like he's like shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> like when the the little girl's trying to do the music and stuff, he's like, please stop it. <laughs> Bro, Don't you understand? Like We're gonna lose everything, <laughs> it, bro. It'd it be like that. It, it, it literally would be like that, man. Like I, I, I remember, like you know, uh, you know, going through some bullshit, and then like the kids are going crazy, stuff like that. Mm. And like I had to, I had to sit down with Paul later on. Was like, hey, you know, I'm sorry for you know snapping at everybody like that. She's just like, yeah, nigga, you got to figure out what's going. <laughs> with you like yo like that's what that's what it's really like yeah it's it's tough man stuff out on these streets especially when like you know maybe you don't you're like you have friends that are in the same boat or like everyone's struggling it's just hard to get some inspiration you know i mean in mm-hmm. this town everyone was going through that's why everybody drinking liquor the way they drink it oh yeah oh yeah when they were at that little uh that little bar little juke joint they were they people were going in Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like it was New Year's Eve every day and shit. And then when George goes there after uh, with the Clarence, the angel, and he's like, hey, man, you, you, remember, you remember what I said? And the guy's like, you need to get the fuck out of here. He's talking about Mr. Gower. He's like, Mr. Gower went to jail for killing that kid, so that means you're a kid killer, too. Get him out of here, boys. Make him fly. Give him wings. And they just throw him out into the street. Yeah, I always found that to be wild. That like somebody would grab you and t- literally toss you out like Jazz from Fresh Prince into the street, you know, by, you know, because like that's that's an easy way to kill somebody right there. Oh, right man. off the cuff. Because bang, all I think head hitting ground next to, you know, you know, you snap, you pop open like a goddamn um, uh, watermelon and, and it's done. Next thing you know, you got wings. <laughs> well, I mean, even those bottles, how heavy they were at the time. If you got yeah. hit on a knocker with that, it's lights out, baby. That's gonna be the last, uh, last headache you ever had. When the cop popped up, when he went to his house, this is when he's like, you know, he doesn't exist in the alternate Goes universe. To, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's he's in the house. And he's like, he's like, where's my wife? Where's my kids? Whatever. And the cop is like, hey, I don't want to do this. And he takes out the club. I'm just like, damn. <laughs> He's just like now. Let's be I'm real. To put this boy down. I, I I remember when I first saw this movie. I was like, man, there could be a real. I'm sure there is like a version like that has like a black protagonist on Tubi or something of this. You know, like some weird adaptation of uh, It's a Wonderful Life. But I was like, oh wait, you couldn't redo this with like a black family because <laughs> George ain't gonna make it. <laughs> George ain't oh, making it past no. Act One in the real world. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not how it works. Mm-mm. He ain't getting no money to keep his bank afloat. Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, he starts giving out money, and the police are going to show up. It's like, where'd you get that money from, Negro? <laughs> He's like, I run a bank. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm looking at my notes. I got a few crazy ones at the beginning. Um, the angel, when they're talking about George, he's like, I like his face. I was like, yeah. that's a weird, that's a weird line. <laughs> Is this angel going to try to fuck George? I didn't like that line at all. Um, oh, so I, I have a really funny one from the, uh, from the beginning. So he's, she's just like, you know, kind of like asking uh, Mary, kind of talking with George after their night, you know, at the dance or whatever, where they, 
Oh, the crazy dance where he uh, courts her after the guy's like, hey, now go back to th- listen to me, you see? And then she pulls him away. He's like, oh. <laughs> like everyone, it's, it's like, why don't you stop ignoring, annoying people? And he's just like, wait a minute. And then they they open up the pool. What movie was that uh, Was that in where they were dancing and the pool retract and everybody started falling in the pool? It's there was a another like, life. <laughs> no, 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 no. There was a movie like yeah, I know. Like, there was another movie that. that like did that similar thing. Um, yeah, I'm blanking on it though. Yeah. Uh, it's, anyhow, I mean, there's um, that, that movie Carrie too, where uh, she closes the pool and shoots uh, the kid from Home uh, Improvement's balls off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you've said whatever it takes. That movie with James Franco. I don't know yeah, why I know wild. that, but uh, yeah, wild, yeah, wild movie. Um, we but, got, we should do so, more of those like really bad early two thousands romantic comedies. Like you know, like we already did a, a we already did a what's the movie with Cisco? Um, get it up or uh, uh, step uh, off it. What what the fuck was it called? Get over it, get over it. But we gotta do like you know, she's all that. No, she's the no, yeah, she's all that. She's the man. Whatever it takes, drive me crazy. We should do all those like terrible ass movies. The movie with I, Usher where he's a DJ for the Italian mob. We already did that, didn't we? No, we never did that one either. Oh no, we did that other movie with uh, Usher uh, in it. Oh, set it off, movie. yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, it wasn't set it, it off. It was it a off. light, lights up or lights off or some shit. <laughs> lights, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, actually, set it I just off. Put for, on the list, yeah. I just put it on the list. Uh, uh, Double Impact. Did you ever see that John Claude Van Damme movie where he's a twin? Why you keep doing this? Why you keep <laughs> trying to make John Claude Van Damme happen on this podcast? Because his movies were wild. Every time you put on a John Claude Van Damme movie on the list, it's not a wonderful life. Well, I mean, isn't that what this podcast is about? Hurting each other. <laughs> so, all right. When they're walking after the dance or yeah. whatever, she's just kind of just like, oh, you know, what's your plans? He's just like, well, I'm going to get out of this crummy town. I'm going to see the world. I'm going to build things. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to college and see what that all that's about. And he's telling all his dreams. And, and you know, she's like, it's like, okay, that's cool. And then she like makes her little wish. She throws it and makes her wish. She's like, what'd you wish for? It's like, nah, we'll see if it comes through. AKA, she was just like, all that stuff you want ain't gonna happen. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> what I want is you, and what I want trumps whatever you want. And that is marriage. That's a dark way to <laughs> view it. Jeez. I mean, he, I mean, he kind of owed it to her. He did leave her in the bushes. Well, I mean, his father had a stroke. No, but bro. he was going to leave her in the bushes regardless. No, he was going to coax her out of that bush so he could see that ass. <laughs> he, he was playing around with her so he could, you know, you know, saying, oh, you want to get the rope? You got to come out of the bush to get the rope. And he's playing games. Okay. Yeah, that's, hey, I mean, that's yeah, a you, weird flirting, man. Hold on. Hold on, Brandon. You're telling me. You're telling me a young 21-year-old Brandon ain't doing the same thing? Oh, I was doing some I was doing some crazy shit. Yeah, you're probably doing something far more nefarious than be than walking what? around the bush with a with a robe saying, "Man, I don't know what I'm going to do here. This is a situation I haven't found myself in before." Well, you're doing some weird shit, Brandon. You see, doing- you're putting you're putting chocolate sauce on the ground and shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not putting, ew. I'm too much of a germaphobe to do that. <laughs> it was actually weird how like 
And Tati always teases me about this. It was weird how much I hooked up with people. Like in my mm-hmm. early twenties, like because I wasn't trying, I was just doing weird shit, and I was just like, "Oh, I guess we're hooking up." Like I didn't know that was gonna happen. I guess that's how it works with George. He's just like, "Oh, oh, Mary, I guess we're gonna we're gonna hook up." Oh, my dad had a stroke. I gotta go. Ha ha ha. Like I don't know. I don't. I mean, because I feel like know, George is cleaning up if he actually tried, and he yeah, probably he, he actually, probably inadvertently was getting a lot of butt. And didn't even, but also, didn't even realize how George, George was uh, George was uh, twenty one years old, so mm. of course the girl, you know, she's eighteen years old. They want oh, the older yeah. guys. Yeah, they can get that uh, that booze. Yes, yes, they can get them into a you know a place where they can get some booze. Well, technically, um, did you have to be twenty one back then? I don't know. Well, actually, Once uh, well, this is legal? upstate New York. This is upstate New York. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, uh, said in the chat. I think the uh, drinking age was younger. Mm, I think so too. I think yeah. it was once the drunk driving stuff started happening that they bumped it up to twenty one. Yeah, in America, because we can't handle shit. Um, Everywhere else in the world, they're just like, "Hey, drink, drink when you're 10. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I did love when the daughter, uh, when George runs out the house after he has his breakdown. The daughter's like to the mom. Should I pray for daddy? And she's like, oh, yes. Yes, sweetie, please. <laughs> I was like, that's a real shit. And that daughter's going to remember that more for the rest of her life. <laughs> but I remember when daddy had a breakdown, and I, I prayed for him. I prayed for his soul. The next thing you know, last, next time I see him, we're talking about angels getting their wings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how do we know that Clarence was the one getting his wings, though? I mean, it's obviously they, they, they said it at the beginning. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's they set it up. They set it all yeah. up. But it just would be funny if he did it. He's like, but, but in your holy power, I did everything you wanted me to. It's like, yeah, but George is going to try to attempt suicide again next week. So <laughs> you're going to be right back where you started. Yeah. Little did you know that when uh, when Mary left the house, she was actually fucking his brother. Oh, <laughs> shit. The story. <laughs> oh, See, that's that's. Today's it's a wonderful life. There's gonna be some. Oh wild yeah, there's term. definitely an affair by yeah. one of them. Uh huh. Probably Mary because she's at home all the time. Mm-hmm. Also, and George don't appreciate her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or uh, George is hooking up with the teacher, and that's why the dad slugs him at the bar. At the husband slugs him at the bar. Well, no, George is George is uh is pounding out the um, uh, the hot slutty girl, whatever. Well, uh, uh, by by this uh, time frame's um, accounts, a slutty girl, but she was just she's just a girl, uh, Violet. She was just looking for fun. I don't even think that's it. I, I think it's just the fact is that she she was she was uh, a little bit more independent, uh, in the, a little bit more independent, and so they just you know it's like oh yeah you know this is a fast girl yeah see she's fast fast to the dick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, back in the day, things were crazy. Um, also, I mean, not that this would boost George's ego, but when Clarence shows him that alternate universe where he doesn't exist, I mean, by golly, George George should feel pretty good about himself. I mean, that's the point of the movie, but it's yeah. like, yo, you're um, so-and-so's in an insane asylum. This person went to jail. This person died. That person died. Your mama is miserable. Uh 
Mary uh, didn't marry and shit. Like all these things that happen. You're like, Mary, Mary was looking good cleaning oh, up them yeah. dams, uh, the the library. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When she came out, I was just like, I like that look, Mary. Yeah, I like the Mary. Mm. If I were if I were George, I still would have been Mary. I know we're not together in this universe, but I wanna I wanna plow you, and we're gonna have a whole herd of cats. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's how they talk, man. Did. I well, you can say anything in that cadence, and it kind of works. Mary, I just want to put honey all over. <laughs> I want to drizzle honey and candle wax like it's a Jodeci video. Oh, you sound like Elvis. <laughs> so we did get a one Patriot thought on um, "It's a Wonderful Life," and folks, remember if you go to Patreon.com/slash Media Popcorn, you're guaranteed to have your review or thoughts read on that upcoming episode. And this is from Evelyn, who wrote, uh, I hollered when they called Clarence simple in like the first two minutes of the movie. I realized some of the movie is what it is because it was the 40s, but some bits like the brother uh, Harry sexually harassing the black maid were hard to watch. Yeah, that was that was a bit wild. Yeah. Um, overall, it's an okay movie, but kind of long, and George kind of sucks. Ooh, interesting. Every time he gets mad, he's yelling or assaulting somebody. I mean, to be fair, he's got childhood trauma in the show, like... You you gotta slap a motherfucker when you upset. Um, well, I mean, but then again, also this is the forties. True, true. <laughs> they didn't have headspace back then. Yeah. They didn't have CPS. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, he chased Mary down the street like a creep after she said she didn't know him. George took way too long to realize he hadn't been born. It was kind of annoying. Clearly, we're not supposed to think he's a bad guy. And he's not. But being depressed, broken, generally unhappy with your life doesn't mean it's okay to be screaming and grabbing on people. Well, welcome to 2023, Evelyn, because I don't know if you've been to Manhattan and New York City, but that's the life around here these days. And at the end, in spite of him, take out his frustrations of the people around him. He still has so many people around town who love his dirty draws. <laughs> well, I mean, but I think, you know, and to that effect, I think his like, fact is that, you know, Everybody has bad days. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And uh, just because somebody has, you know, a bad day or, you know, a bad, you know, uh, whatever, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily erase everything uh, good that they've done. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, there's a limit. There's a limit. I mean, look at P. Diddy. But um... <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I'm not ready. Yeah. I'm not ready to talk about <laughs> take it. Take that. Take that. Take that. Um, but. It's, um, it, you know, I guess the thing that I like, I enjoyed about this movie is especially during the holidays. And, you know, it's, you know, there's a lot of pressure, you know, pressure for giving and da, 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 da. And, and you know, and it's also the end of the year. So you, you mm. think about starting anew and all that kind of junk. And um, I guess the one thing that I, you know, uh, with watching this is it's just like, yeah, this time of year is so hard for a lot of people because you you're reminiscing on all the things that you did wrong throughout the year. Mm. Uh, the people who are no longer in your life, yeah. it, you know, it, it brings a lot of emotions uh, back up. And and the fact is, like, how much people need support. Right. And that like that final scene where like everybody comes in, you know, to, uh, to support him because he supported so many people you know, uh, for so long, it seemed seemingly, you know, a good, uh, almost 20 years here, uh, 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 10 years or, or, or so, you know, it's, it, it's like a cool, it, it's a cool thing to see that like, 
like, hey, you know, there's hope that people actually give a fuck as uh, about and they you. notice what you're doing. They yeah, they take yeah. note of the work you put in. Yeah, man, but I mean, but most of the time it doesn't happen like that, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it's also like I think the problem with today is that because of technology, um, particularly social media and stuff, um, and also COVID, like people are just so isolated and so just in their own bubble that they don't mm. take the time to notice the other things that people do. Not, and not even just in general, they like contribute towards the, the greater good, but to, for them, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that's something I think that we're, we're really taking each other for granted. And that's what kind of makes me sad these days. You know what yeah, I think? Well, I mean, well, I mean, uh, you know, uh, look at like, uh, what's that guy? Uh, Mr. Beast, right? The YouTube guy, Who, right? Yeah. The YouTube guy. He went and built some, uh, you know, like wells in Africa and things like that. And people are just like, oh, here comes a white savior. And it's like, bro, he just built wells for people in Africa who really needed them. It's like, that's a very noble thing. He uses his own fucking money. It's like, oh, yeah, but he's profiting on it, uh, profiting on it and making himself look good. It's just like, so what? These motherfuckers have clean water now. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's also just the fact is, like, people are just so cynical. And they and they can't see, you know, good thing. They can't see a good thing and just be like, oh, that was that was a nice thing. It's like there's always like a catch uh, uh, for uh, for someone uh, where it's like, you know, and they they find something to shit on about it. Yeah, I mean, people like to shit. You know, everybody shits. So I get it. Um, not saying it's right, but it happens. What, just what you eat don't make a shit. Real talk. Um, so let's break down uh <laughs> break down a rating system, baby. Don't call me baby. So, guys, we rate movies, bags of popcorn, small, medium, large, and the XL40 exceptional. If a film doesn't deserve any popcorn, we throw it into the dog shit pile. We pile piles and piles of dog shit on top of it. Yeah, yeah. So, Brandon, we sat down and watched a 1946 American Christmas classic. It's a Wonderful Life, starring Jimmy Stewart, Donna Reed, Lionel Barrymore, Thomas Mitchell, Henry uh, Travers. I don't know why I'm even saying this, because all these people are dead. But um, not like you're going to look them up anytime soon, even though that Donna Reed, she clinked the bees. Um, but Brandon, what say you, sir? Um, I'll give this a large. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think, to Evelyn's point, now that I think about it, it is a little bit long. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. There's definitely some stuff that could have been cut out, and you know I'm I'm very uh, I'm very intrigued by Jimmy Stewart's performance in this. I think that it's it's something different, and I love kind of like mimicking it. I think his cadence is really enjoyable, um, even when he's losing his fucking mind. Um, it kind of, dude. <laughs> this is really weird. I know Heath Ledger pulled a lot of different things for the Joker. But it kind of reminded me, like, I was like, did, did, did Heath Ledger take a little Jimmy Stewart in his performance? With some of his, mean? like, ver- like the way he uh, he annotated things, and he's like, oh, I was like, a, I'm like a dog that catches the car, and I want to know what to do with it. You know, like, stuff like that, that reminds me of Jimmy Stewart a little bit in this. Okay. Just, I'm just saying it. It's possible that was an influence of his, but, um, you know, just as a, as a general movie, and I think in the, the world today... Uh, we could use a few more movies like It's a Wonderful Life. I wish there was more like original movies that kind of were inspiring. And um, yes, I mean, 
George isn't perfect, and he definitely has flaws, but I think that's the point of the movie, is to say despite your flaws and making mistakes and having a bad day, that doesn't mean that you're no one loves you. That doesn't mean that you're worthless. That doesn't mean that people don't acknowledge you and see you. And I think that that's yeah. really important. I think that's important for people to know that they are seen um, and that there are people that care about them. Because I think that the isolation takes people to really dark places. And um, even when people, it, it's, it's tough. Because even when you do tell someone, like, I see you, I care about you, you don't know what's going on in their head. You don't know what they're telling themselves. Yeah. And so, um, and then you don't know what other people are telling them. That's maybe reinforcing the negative thoughts in their head. Like Mr. Yeah. Potter telling them, you're more, you're more valuable dead than alive. That would fuck with me. Like, when I think of I'm like, I mean, we have life insurance. Like, I probably am worth more dead than alive. Not if you commit suicide, because they don't pay out. Well, that's what you got. You got to fudge some evidence and stuff. You got to make some stuff work. Yeah. You got to make, you got to, you got to put it on Mr. Potter. Make it seem like he committed the murder. (laughs) That's the ultimate revenge right there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Justin, what's your rating? Uh, I'm going to give it to large. Um, You know, and, you know, like I was saying you know, earlier, you know, this time of year is, you know, you know, a tough time of year for a lot of people. And, um, you know, it's easy to forget um, when you're going through some things uh, that, it, you know, the world isn't necessarily against you uh, and that you're um, and like that you are doing the right thing. And, and you know, movies like this definitely do, uh, you know, highlight that. And um, and kind of give a little bit of hope, you know, you know, yeah. in the in the darkness that's out there. Uh, but, you know, even though this is a two hour movie in 1946, I couldn't imagine people in 1946 sitting through two hours of this. Um, this is why this is on network TV and broken up a thousand thousand <laughs> commercials. Uh, but uh, I felt like it. I didn't... mean, bad thing. You got your money's worth. I feel like. I feel like when this movie came out, that's the kind of, this is, the length of these movies probably actually audiences loved back then. Because I think that, you know, before what, you were paying like a two cents or some shit for a 20, you know, a few minutes, and they've showed like shorts versus like an actual full length thing. Yeah. And remember, like with clearance, they had little special effects and stuff. So this is kind of innovative too, you know, it's. So I, I don't think people were complaining back then about the length of the movie. I think if anything, they were like, let's see it again. (laughs) <laughs> every Christmas, every Christmas. Because remember, um, sometimes people, especially back in that day, like that's the age of like George Lucas and all those filmmakers, where like movie theaters were essentially like their home. Like, because yeah. shit back in the house that they lived in wasn't great. Mm. Which is also, you know, just like a feel good movie like this uh it is you know especially at that time was probably helping a lot of people through a lot of you know difficult stuff you know what i'm saying yeah. and you know th- that that's a really good point and, and um but that's why if you notice a lot of artists come out of some really hard situations oh yeah a lot of great artists come out of really hard situations because this is an escape you know into another world where they can be who they want to be or they can uh create something that's outside of their own um you know, shitty existence. So like, you know, and that's something that can't be discounted, but you know, I think that this film, they, they really did a great job with um, also building the fact that it's like, Hey, George is doing all this stuff and he's been doing something for everybody for so long. And you know what? It finally came back on him 
And, you know, he, you know, it finally came back on him and, you know, at the point where he least expected it. Yeah. yeah. Even though did a part of me is just like, maybe it would have been better if he wasn't in the whole like, oh, Merry Christmas. Oh, yeah. I know I'm going to jail. Da, 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 da. You know, you know, all that stuff. And it's just like when he was really down on himself, you know, that's when like everyone came and just lifted him up. You know, and he, because he had already raised his bar, yeah. you know, you know, it's just like, and then they push him over the edge and it's just like, oh, this is elation. You know, kind of just like let the people around him really lift him up as opposed to this, um, you know, angel dude. Yeah, but it's also, yeah, that the religious aspect of it, I think. That's, that's yeah, I mean, it was 1946. It's like a writer and director and stuff. But um, <clears throat> UV in the chat asks, would you consider this a must see during the holidays? I don't think so. Not necessarily. I don't think it's necessarily just a Christmas movie, actually. I think it's, you can watch this any time of the year. I think it's a good, like to your point, Justin, about people feeling down towards the end of the year. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good way to reflect and and keep more of a positive attitude as you go into the new year. But yeah, I can, I can watch this year round. Yeah. I I mean, I probably want to watch it year round. I probably, I, I think this, I think this is a very solid holiday movie. Um, that, you know, you know, especially like I said earlier, for those people who are like kind of down in over shit, it's just like, this will at least make you feel good, you know, yeah. uh, at some point, for sure. you know, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, that's our review on it's a wonderful life. Uh, you know, you can follow me at underscore Frodo underscore blackens and all the <laughs> social media platforms, particularly threads and Instagram. That's where I'm at these days. X. I mean, how long is it really going to be there? anymore after this guy told advertisers go fuck themselves i mean for real like it's it's the days are numbered so also follow medium p podcast on instagram and threads uh and we're on tiktok now so that's probably the best place to find us um or you can subscribe to our youtube page at youtube.com slash medium p podcast so you can learn about all future uh episodes and celebrity interviews there's a bunch that i've done recently so be on the lookout there and then just so people want to follow you as well support the show financially what can they do my brother Guys, you can follow me on the socials at J Brown did it, but you can support this show excuse me, at patreon.com slash medium popcorn. We have $2, $5, $10 and $15 packages on there. So uh, if you love the show, you want, you want to, you know, hear the rant. You want to hear what am I watching our backlog episodes, you know, our bonus episodes, our zoom movie nights, which are back. Back, yeah, baby. Yeah. Um, you know, Patreon is where it's at. And if you also want to be uh live, you know, for our recordings and you you want to talk in the chat uh with us and help kind of review these movies like Ali or you know is doing right now, uh, you know, you gotta be on Patreon. You'll get the notices of what of when we're gonna record and, and such, and you can uh you know join us, you know, on these nights. Absolutely. But leave us a voicemail 347-508-0978. That's right. Get on, on that. And also, if you're feeling a festive move, we have a wish list on Amazon, uh, Amazon.com. Uh, just go to MediumPopcorn.com. It's on our homepage. Just click on that. And we got some stuff for myself, Justin, Yuvia, Tatiana, and for all of us. So if you want to spread the Christmas cheer, go over there, click that uh, you know button, and uh, buy us a little something-something. That helps. Mm-hmm. Or at Patreon.com slash MediumPopcorn. It all helps the show. We're going to South by Southwest, so we need as many funds as we can get, y'all. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Until then, we'll talk to y'all soon. Hold on to your butts, y'all. Peace.